The following is recorded from Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, uh, there is a welcome, uh, a uh, worship guide you got on your way. It looks like this. There's a guest card in there. We'd love for you to fill that out to the level of your comfort, um, just so we can get some information to you about who we are. We don't do anything weird. We're not going to stalk you. Just uh, put as much as you're comfortable on there. If you put email, we'll email you. If you put phone number, we'll call you. Um, or you can put on there which method you prefer. One is homing pigeon. I don't know that we can accommodate that anymore since uh, our account has been disconnected. Um, but uh, I'm just kidding. We don't have accounts get disconnected. We pay our bills. But um, there's a lot going on in, in this worship guide. But there's a couple things I want to talk to you that are not in here. Um, this uh, this week, I'm, I'm, I want to say thank you to all the men and women who came up and helped us uh, in the new facility, put that wall up. Um, it looks incredible. Yes. Um, so uh, thank you for signing boards and, and walking through the construction zone and all that. We still have to finish sanding it and get the urethane on it, but it's, it turned out better than I imagined, and I'm excited about that. If you're still wanting to do some construction, um, Pastor Tammy said that uh, they need some construction help for VBS um, on set designs and building and all that stuff. So we got VBS coming up mid-August, and uh, gives us time to get into the uh, gives us time to get into the facility and get uh, kind of some things worked out. And then we're going to have VBS for that week. It's the second week of August for the kids. So if you're a handy like that, um, if you can do sets, set design, all kinds of stuff like that, see Pastor Tammy. She'd love to put those gifts to use. Also, we've got a Bible in the lobby um, that you can sign, highlight scriptures, underline scriptures, write your name in, stuff like that. Uh, We were going to bury that in the the concrete that they were pouring, but someone had an amazing suggestion um, to put that under the platform before we close off the platform so we're always standing on the Word of God. So that's what we're going to do. So um, yeah, somebody much smarter than I came up with that. Um, but just to make sure we still have, we did do a Bible in the foundation that they poured on Friday in the vestibule. So we put that in, we did an inscription, put the date. So, um, maybe after Jesus comes back, somebody may be taking refuge there and be like, what's this? Oh, Jesus, what? Um, I don't know. It was a big discussion at my house this week. Um, so yeah, that's, (laughs) that's going on. So, um, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're on the final push for the building. Um, we're open uh, June 29th or July 6th would be our first week uh, in that facility. Here's one of the things that, that uh, has been asked with the contractors. I was in a meeting this week. Um, they're asking us to close the site. So I know we got to go up and we had a lot of people doing tours and things like that um, this week for the wall. They're asking us to close that because they're going to go into a dust-free environment. And I'm like, if you can figure out how to do that, can you come to my house? Um, <laughs> those guys. Um, so, uh, but uh, it's kind of like, I, I didn't say this in the meeting with them because I'm there with these construction guys, but I was thinking it, but I didn't say it. I was thinking like, because all you guys, you watch these shows with your wife. Some of you will admit it. You know, the home improvement shows where they say, okay, you've seen it up to this point. Now you got to go for, away for the weekend and we're going to finish it up. And so they walk in and like, wow. Oh, you know, so that's kind of like what I was thinking, but I'm not going to vocalize that to these guys. I'll say that to us in here. So they're asking us to close that site for a little while. And uh, I'm excited because it's not just moving places. It's moving farther in the vision that God has called us as a church. I mean, there are thousands of people, thousands of people that live around us that right now church is not on their mind. Jesus is not on their mind. 
They're, they're hurting. They're broken. They're lost. Uh, if you want to call it like it is, they're living dead. And Jesus says, I came so that they may have life. I gave his life on the cross, his bloodshed on the cross, so we could have forgiveness, redemption, hope, healing, life, all the things that he promises us in his word. And so our mission, we just want to go out in our community and get what Jesus paid for. And so that's what I'm excited about because we're going to hear testimonies of people that that are saying, this is who I was and this is who I am because of Jesus. Not because of the creek, but because we were being the hands and feet of Christ. And it's because of Jesus they have this new life. So I'm excited about that. Um, but one of the things we're talking about this, this week, we started a new series called Moving. And so thank you so much, everyone, for your suggestions. If we have to continue that on, there's all kinds of moving references. Um, and then uh, to the one person that, that, that had fun last uh, Sunday afternoon Googling the Nephilim, listening to moving pictures, uh, right on. Um, and uh, so uh, if you didn't get to hear last week's message, we talked about facing our giants. And so I just want to say this too, Creek, I'm proud of you because I got text and, and, and messages from quite a few of you this week that you were facing your giant. And I've prayed up with you. I've prayed for you. I've, I've tried to stand as close as I can. And um, so thank you. I'm proud of you for going out and facing those giants, whether they're at work, home, whatever it is. You know, God calls us to face them. So um, this week we're going to talk about change. This is a difficult subject, honestly, because um, change is difficult for a lot of people. Uh, and change is, is really something that holds us back from moving forward, this idea of embracing change or dealing with change. I used to work out at a gym uh, that had a big banner on the wall that said, until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, people will remain the same. So what that translates to is, is we love comfort, and when the comfort that we enjoy becomes more painful than changing, only then do we decide to change. And the reality is, we've got to understand change is a normal part of life. I mean, I am seeing this. The older I get, the more crusty I get, and the less change I like. And Heather's trying to keep me out of that. And she's like, come on, don't get that way, Matt. And we all have struggle in areas of our life of things we don't want to change. We like the comfort. But the reality is this, growing people change. Just look at our kids. I mean, you, 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 if you're married, you have kids, and you, you see them grow up, and it feels like you blink, and uh, they're graduating high school. For so many of you, uh, graduations are this weekend, and you're looking at your kid, and you feel like, I just blinked, and it's done. For the other part of this room, our teachers that finished school this week, are you happy? Are you happy? Yeah? That's all? Man, I figured we'd get like... I figured it'd be party up in here by now. I figured there'd be, they'd have to turn on dance music and we'd be like random dance time or something. I don't know. Um, but we look at our kids and they grow. I've got two girls and one's going to be a senior in high school next year and one's going to be a senior in college. And I feel like I blink and that time goes by. Growing people change. And so we've got to understand that God has created us and called us to live a life that he has desired. And that means that there's going to be a change. The change is a part of that. And change has to start somewhere. Uh, the, the thing we're going to talk about today, I think, holds the potential for the greatest change in every one of our lives. I think if we, when this sets in, um, it's going to be incredible for us as a church because God is calling us to step up in areas of our life. We all know what areas we need to change, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to talk through it. We're going to be in Romans chapter 11 and 12 today. So if you've got your Bible, meet me there. 
Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you. If you don't own one, write your name in that. That is our gift to you. And uh, if you've got a smartphone, a smart device, you can find us on the Uversion. Uversion is a free app in whatever app store your device uses. So um, the book of Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And I'm looking forward to doing a verse-by-verse study over this book. This is a rich book, and I can't wait to get into that. But we're going we're gonna to teach uh, through uh, 11, part of 11 and 12 today. And so I'm excited. I, I love the rain this morning. I was so excited to see it raining, and we need the rain. I get that. But I'm also a little bummed because I was really hoping this afternoon to get some pool time because it is officially pool season, and I love the pool. I love getting in the pool. I, I have this, this, this floaty, I don't know what you call it. I call it my chariot to heaven. Because I believe that when Jesus calls me home, I will be sitting in that chariot and the whole thing will just rise. Be like, what's up, man? And so, I mean, it is, it, it is my happy place, okay? It, it, I, yesterday, I, I got to experience, I've gotten to experience two of my happy places this week. I got to go shooting with the skeet shoot yesterday. On a gun range is a happy place for me. Yes, I'm not weird. I'm not psycho. I just, man, I just love shooting. It's great. Um, and I, I, I didn't win, but I was there. But, um, and I love the pool. Oh, man, I love the pool. But one thing I cannot stand is getting sunburned. And so we go through a lot of this stuff at our house, sunblock. Um, I prefer the spray on. Heather prefers the rub on. Now, I like that she prefers the rub on. You know, I'm just saying. You know. Yeah, hey, y'all were thinking it. Man, I wish my wife liked the rub on. I love that she loves the rub on. I'm just let me go on the record, but but uh, but I'm kind of wondering if my wife thinks I stink at the pool because this is banana boat for men, um, because it has a a perfume uh, not perfume a cologne. It's like what a cologne in it. So it's like what do I stink and I need my I don't want to get sunburned on my underarms or what. But um, this I like this spray on. Now here here's the problem. Uh, I lathered up the other day. We were in the pool, and uh, so we get in, and, and I, we spent all afternoon in them. I mean, I'm just soaked. She's like, you're never going to get sunburned with that amount on you. She's making fun of how much I sprayed, but I smelled good, too. So, <laughs> so we're in the pool for a little while, and then I went up and met, met the, the, the folks who were working at the, at the facility with, with the wood wall. So I work. I get home late, and I'm just dusty and nasty and sweaty, and so I go in, and I take a shower. And I step in the shower, and it was just like that, oh, you know, that I can't, I can't even recreate the high-pitched scream that came out, because I realized I missed the spot right here, and oh my goodness, it hurt. That hot water hitting that sunburn, I mean, I was just like, you know, you know what it feels like, you've been sunburned, I hate being sunburned, I mean, it just, uh, it's finally getting better now, but oh man, I can't stand it, so now I'm just like, I got it, I'm double-checking, man, I'm like, you know, it's... I just don't like it. But here's the thing. I put this on, and I get in my, my chariot to heaven, and I'm floating around, and it's awesome. And I look down, and I'm like, man, I'm starting to get a little bit of pink. So I get out, and I reapply because you got to do that. That's the thing I hate about sunblock, though. I just want to put it on one time, and then that's it. I don't have to worry about it. You know, there should be some laser surgery that automatically injects sunblock into you, right? I don't know. But I've got to reapply it. And this says it's water-resistant for 80 minutes. And, and so it'll make, it doesn't keep you smelling good for 80 minutes. I'm going somewhere with this. Trust me. You know, just, just stay with me. Y'all are like, 
We're supposed to be here learning about the Bible. He's talking about pools and something. What kind of church you bring me to, honey? Um, we're getting there. We're getting there. Trust me. There's a spiritual application in this as well, because I can learn all the benefits of sunblock. I know there are benefits to sunblock, the skin cancer, the sunburn, all of that stuff. I can know that, and I, can, I love to be outside. I love to be in the pool. But information isn't just going to help me. So let's, let's track it this way. Information plus application equals transformation. My life is transformed because I can be out all day, and I can be in the pool. I can be in a happy place for a long time. And that's a good thing around my house. That is my sanctuary. It's my respite, okay? And so information plus application equals transformation. This is a spiritual principle too. I mean, we can know the information about God, but until we get to the point of applying his word, we will never see the transformation that, that we desire in our life. And, and all of this life that we read about in scripture, you know, Jesus came and he said, I came not to just give you life, but to bring you life abundantly. I desire to give you more than you can ask or imagine. I mean, his life for us is more than we can get out of our little box and think about and and understand that his life is better than what we could plan for ourselves. But a lot of us, the reality is we don't find ourselves living that kind of life. Well, I read the information of the life that Jesus wants for me, but why isn't it happening? Because we have to apply the truth of his word to live a transformed life. And and, and here's the, the, the thing about it. We have to continually reapply in order to continually live that transformed life. And so it, it's, it's progress. It is change. And we've got to embrace it. Um, and so let's, let's talk through this. The first one is information. Uh, remember when you're, you were kids and you learned this prayer? I can remember being in kindergarten and elementary school before we, we would line up to go to lunch and we would pray for our lunch. Y'all remember that prayer? Like, God is great. God is good. Now let's thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Let us thank him for our bread. Amen. You know, and then the other prayer that we teach our kids, a little bit more creepy though. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No wonder your kids come in your room in the middle of the night. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Never mind. Um, that's just a creepy prayer. I'm just saying. It's like, hey, kid. In case you die in the middle of the night, you want God to take you home, right? <laughs> what? But let's go back to the other one. God is great. God is good. So think about this. Information. We're teaching our kids information in this prayer. We're teaching them obedience to thank God and trust God. But what if we as adults really grabbed on to the truth of that, that God is great and God is good? I mean, we talk about open-handed and closed-handed things here at the creek. And, you know, for example, closed-handed are that Jesus is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on, on a cross. He was, he was the sacrifice uh, slain for our sin. And his blood shed is the only way that we can be forgiven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Those are closed-handed things that we have at the creek. The Scripture is the inerrant Word of God. It is true. And, and you know, Jesus is coming back. Now, open-handed, when is he coming back? I don't know. We can debate that. We can discuss that. Those things are open for discussion, but we're going to wrap our hands around these central truths. What if we wrapped our hands around this truth that God is great and that God is good? And we actually let that information, and we took that and applied it in our life, and we lived our lives according to the truth that God is great and God is good. And so... Paul goes into this in Romans. Uh, go to Romans 11, verse 33. 
We're, we're going to start there. He reads, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. His unser- how unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And so what he's saying is, God, you are great. No one can, no one can counsel you. No one can understand the depth of your riches and the depths of your, your, your character, the depths of who you are. You are great. And then he goes on in verse 35. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? God, you're good. For from, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. What Paul is saying is, God, you're great and you're good. I, I, in my study this week, I was reading a commentary. And it said, if God is great but not good, we should all fear for our lives. But if God is good but not great, he's not worthy and deserving of the worship that we give him. The truth is, God is great and God is good. I am not good and I am not great. If you think I'm great and I'm good, you're probably making that assessment on this 30 minutes that come off of this platform. If you want the real story, talk to Heather. She will tell you how ungreat and ungood I am the rest of the week. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to get in trouble because a lot of the first service has probably already told her that since she wasn't here in the first service, some of the things I said, and I I was not even great or good in that time. I'm sorry, honey. Love you. (laughs) A lot of us, though, live with this lie ringing in our ear from the enemy is that you're too bad for a good God. You're too bad for a great God. You don't deserve anything of God's mercy. And the enemy just calls our past back up. Look at what you've done. Look at who you are. Can I, can I remind you? You're, you're letting the information from the enemy, the lie from the enemy, be applied to your life. And it's keeping you from living the transformed life that God has created you to live. The truth of God's word is that while you, while I, we're yet sinners. Christ died for us. That when we were powerless against the sin, Christ walked the hill called Calvary, bled and died on a cross, and on the third day walked victoriously out of the tomb because he is great and he is good and his mercy covers us. You are not too bad for a good God. There is mercy and grace at the foot of the cross. What I love about the foot of the cross is it's a level playing field. My sin, your sin, is all sin. We, we like to become self-righteous and think, well, my sin's not as bad as that person. Or look at the sin they're engaged in. You know, we like to get judgmental because we like to justify that because because we start believing the lie from the enemy that, that we're too bad for a good God, so we start justifying ourselves as not too bad. Sin is sin, and it separates us from God. And when we come to the foot of the cross, there is mercy, there is grace, and it comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. We are not too bad for a good God. Don't let the enemy lie to you on that. Here's the information for us to take away in the truth of God's word. No matter what I think, no matter what I feel, no matter what I face, 
I will trust God because he is great and he is good. That's the information. How do we apply that? Because Paul is saying, God, you're great and God, you're good. Now let's look at our application. So you go to uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 1. Because when, when Scripture was written, Paul didn't say, okay, that's the end of 11, so I'll start a new chapter. These, the big numbers are the chapters. If you're new to Scripture, the big numbers are the chapters, the little numbers are the verses. And, and Paul just wrote this as a continual letter to the church in Rome. And these were put in after for markers. And so chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, starts out therefore. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. If you've heard me say this, anytime you see therefore in Scripture, you need to look previously to see what it's there for. So Paul's saying, therefore, because of what I just said, I'm about to say this. Remember what he just said. God is great. God is good. God, your, your riches are unsearchable. Your judgments are unsearchable. No one can know your mind. No one can counsel you. No one can give you anything that you should repay him. You are great and you are good. Because you are great and good. Therefore, I'm going to say this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, I have taught uh, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and it's one of my favorite verses uh, in in Scripture. But what does this mean, living sacrifices? Because every time you see the word sacrifice in Scripture, it means that sacrifice is being killed and burned. So I'm like, say what? If I'm going to be a living sacrifice, I've got to stab myself, set myself on fire. Is that what you want, God? Is that my spiritual act of worship? We're only going to get one shot at that, right? This living sacrifice. And I've heard this preached growing up. I've heard countless preachers preach on this. And I started kind of tracking, okay, God, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Because nowhere in Scripture do these two words appear together other than Romans 12.1. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? If it's my spiritual act of worship, God, you're calling me to do something. Because you're great and because you're, because you're good, you're calling me to apply something in my life to be a living sacrifice as an act of worship to you, as an act of obedience to you. So how do I do this? What does this mean to be a living sacrifice? Well, a lot of times what I've learned in Scripture, if you don't understand what it's saying, keep reading because the answer may come. It may come later. It may come in the next verse. In this case, it's coming right away. He says, as your spiritual act of worship, uh, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, so Paul's saying, because God is great and God is good, I'm going to apply this to my life. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. How do I become a living sacrifice? By renewing my mind. So in order for me to be a living sacrifice, I renew my mind. How do I renew my mind? What does that mean? What does it mean to renew my mind? Because I I struggle with this. We have all heard, or maybe not all, this may be the first time you hear it, which is pretty cool that I get to say it. You're going to get to walk away with something just funny today. Um, I grew up in church, and we would go to the youth retreats and the youth camps and all that stuff, and we've all heard that old preacher that would say, Dear friend, If you just give your life to Jesus today, you'll never deal with those urges again. I don't have those desires. I don't have those thoughts. I don't have those feelings. Praise God. And I think something's wrong with me. Because I prayed the sinner's prayer like 500 times by the end of that camp. And I'm still thinking thoughts that I shouldn't be thinking. I mean, 
he doesn't have some of the desires because I've seen some of the people he's around. So anyway, um, <laughs> we're going to have to edit that. I've, I've given my life to Jesus and I've been covered by his blood. I've been forgiven and his grace has been poured on me. But can I tell you that I still deal with ungodly thoughts. I still deal with ungodly urges and I still deal with ungodly desires. Becoming a Christian still means I fight those. Becoming a Christian, a new creation, that transformation from death to life, when we confess Jesus as Lord and we believe that He is our Savior, we're made new. And we still deal with that. So in dealing with that, how do we renew our mind? Because in Romans 6, Paul says, that we were crucified with Christ. That the bloodshed on the cross of Calvary covers my sin. The cross of Christ deals with me, the sinner. And so, what does it mean to understand the information that I have been crucified with Christ? It was a past event. When I gave my life, it's done. So how do I live constantly renewing my mind? The best example came to me this way. Um, after Heather and I got married, we went. We engaged in something that uh, will test the strength of any marriage. And if you can do this, you probably can stand anything. We built a house together, um, uh, and and we survived. But we built this house, loved this house, lived in this house for eight and a half years, um, and then decided we needed some more space because the kids were getting bigger and they were starting to fight more. So we needed to separate them, and so we we moved. And and, and one day, leaving the office, I get in my truck. And I just start driving. Have you ever done this? Have you ever driven home and not remembered anything about the drive? I mean, there's probably some medical term. There's probably a pill for it. But um, I, I, I've done that. I'm like, did I stop at all the stop signs? I mean, you start worrying, you know. You know, if I'm that blanked out, was there a police officer behind me that I didn't notice? He would have followed me home. Um, I, I don't know. Just, you know but I left the office, get in my truck, and I drive to our old house. I'm like, I can't go in there. I don't live there anymore. Now, if you're like, if your mind's wired like mine, you start thinking, I wonder if my garage door thing still works because I had it built in. <laughs> I was like, I wonder what they'd do if I just like walked in, hey, I'm home, and I go in, I start taking off my shirt, you know, take off my pants and head to the closet that used to be mine. Come out like, hey, you got anything to eat? You know, that's not normal, right? It's probably not normal that I thought that, but it's not normal, right? <laughs> I told you, I still deal with ungodly thoughts, urges, and desires. But here's the truth. I don't live there anymore. With our mind, when those urges and desires and thoughts come that are, that are contrary to God's word, we have to realize I don't live there anymore. That's the old mind. And when those come up, I don't live there anymore. It, yeah, it, it might be who I used to be. That might be where I used to live. That might be what I used to do. But I don't live there anymore. God has called me to a new place. When he transforms our mind, when he makes us a new creation, when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it means when those thoughts come, the application, because God, you're great and I am not. You're good and I am not. When those temptations come, here's my response. I don't live there anymore. I don't think that way anymore. 
And then we say, God, I'm getting on the altar as a living sacrifice. Renew my mind because here is what I used to live in the world. I used to do this. And and this is what my mind is saying. And I'm putting myself on the altar before I go down that, before I push the garage door button and go in and go down that road. God, stop me. Give me, give me time here. I'm crawling on the altar. Here I am. Renew my mind because you're great. I'm not. You're good. And I am not. And I want what you want. I want to live a transformed life. So how do we renew our mind? That happens when we see who God is. We see how great he is. And we're more likely to submit to him. When I say more likely, I couldn't go, we will, because I have people that are on the board in the facility that know, they have the information about how good God is. But they have not yet applied it. And they've not yet been transformed. So when we see God for who he is, we're more likely to submit to him because we see that he is great and he is good. So let's talk about this this area of transformation because we all have things in our life we want to change. Uh, We live in this generation and society that that, uh, says, find out your strengths and focus on your strengths and forget about your weaknesses. I, I can't do that. I want to work on my weaknesses. If I'm not good at this, I want to work on it. I want to get good at this. I have a list of things that I want to change about myself. Information plus application equals transformation. Last fall, I had mentors, friends, my wife, saying, look, you got to get in shape, man. And God finally convicted me and said, look, you're not in the physical shape to do what I've called you to do with this church. Get her done. That's exactly what God said. Get her done. See? See? God is Texan. This is God's country. I'm just, I'm, that's just joke. Just joking. Do not base theology on that. Um, I knew what I needed to do. For the areas in our life that we want to change, we know what we need to do. But are we willing to do it? You see, the only reason I saw transformation with my waistline is because I knew what I needed to do, and I did it. It wasn't always fun. I don't always enjoy getting up. I, you, you guys are freaks that just get addicted to working out. Like, I just got to go work out. You're, you're freaks. I'm just saying. I, I, I've been doing it consistently for six months, and I'm not in love with it. I do it because it is my duty and I want, I want to see the transformation, so I will continually apply. I want to live a different life. I don't want to be normal. So I will continually apply God's word, his truth, the information to my life, so I can live a transformed life. And so Paul says, when you do this, here's how you live this transformed life. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the biggest question of Christians in, 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 I know, America. What's God's will for my life? We reduce that to jobs and who I should marry. Can I, can I tell you that, that we know the will of God when we do God's word? When we know what God says, when we know he's good, when he's great, and we continually apply his word, we will live a transformed life. 
what, here's what happens. When we lock in to the information of God's Word, we constantly and continually apply that. We will find ourselves in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in life that, that God is fully blessing because we're walking in obedience. And then it doesn't become, well, God, should I marry this person? God, should I date this person? God, should I accept this job? Should I turn this job down? God, should we make this purchase? God, what it is is, God, how does this line up with your word and for us to be continually obedient with what you've called us to do? Those decisions get made. It's kind of like thinking the, the, the Bible is a handbook for life and it's just information only. And when we have the problem, we go find the information for the solution. I can tell you, I've been through the teenage phase once, and I'm in it right now. There is nothing in the Bible that tells me how long I should let my kids be on Facebook. There is nothing in the Bible that tells me when I should set curfew. There is nothing about when I should let them start dating. I've looked. It's not 30. I can't find it in the Bible. (laughs) But here's what happens when I know the information, his character, how unsearchable he is, that no one has given him counsel, that he is great, that he is good, and that he desires the best for my life. God is so good. He doesn't want what's bad for us. And he desires that for our life. And when I lock in on that information and I begin to apply the way, the way he has called me to walk this life of obedience out, I begin to make decisions from a godly counsel perspective on when curfew is set, on what kind of guy to pray for my daughter to marry. Also on my board are my daughter's future husbands because I am praying for their salvation. I am praying that they are the men of God, that they are the man that God has called and created them to be, and that when they marry my daughter, they become the husband that God has called and created them to be. And that when they have kids, my grandkids, that they are the parents that God has called and created them to be. And that happens when we take the information of God's word, continually apply it, and live a transformed life. That's the will of God. That's how we walk in the will of God. And I can tell you it's not easy. It's not a once and done. There, over the last several weeks especially, I've been reflecting on our creek journey. And I got to tell you, man, God's just, it, it, he's taken me back and he's shown me areas that I've fought with him. I've argued with him. I didn't agree with what he was telling us to do, telling me to do. And I was like, no, God, I wasn't that way. I'm fully obedient, submitted to you. Oh, yeah? You remember this? Yes. You remember this? Yeah. I can tell you, throughout the creek journey, throughout my life, there have been times I didn't agree, that I argued with God. I tell you, God wants what's best for us, better than we could ask or imagine. And as a creek, as a, as a church, he's brought us to this place where he wants us. In my life, he has to do that. And I, a lot of times, I disagree. God, you need to change your way of thinking. The reality is I need to change my way of thinking. God, you need to get culturally relevant. God says, I'm eternal. But he brings us to the place that he's called us to for the life he's created us to live. And he's calling every one of us to change because growing people change. 
I want to encourage you. Our prayer room. I'm going to pray for us in just a second. Our prayer room is open. And there are people ready to pray for you. Because there, there are those things in, in our life that, that God is calling us to change. And, and we may not like it, but I can tell you, I can tell you this. You have people that are willing to pray for you and help you through that. They will pray for you, with you. If you want to pray, they'll just agree. Whatever you want to do, we want to help you move forward through that change. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the information of your word because it is truth. It is trustworthy. It is your word. We thank you that you give us the ability to apply this to our life. And I ask right now for you to just to just to just speak into us those areas that you want us to apply information to our life so that we can live a transformed life. Really, God, so we can live the life you've created us to live, which is better than we could ever ask you for or we could ever imagine for ourselves. And so I pray, Father, that you begin to open up those areas that we need to change Help us to embrace that change. Give us courage to walk through those change because I believe this, that you will never lead us to a change you will not sustain us through. And I thank you for that. Maybe today there's some in this room, maybe there's one in this room, and maybe the change is from death to life, that maybe for the first time in your life you, you realize that that. God is great and God is good and he loves you and he died for you to forgive you. And maybe the biggest change is a new creation. And I, I just, if that's you, I, I pray that you'll pray this prayer that Jesus, I believe you are Lord. I believe you died for me. And I believe that you have a life for me that's better than I could live on my own. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Paul wrote in Romans 10, 9, that says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. Jesus, save me. For the rest of us in this room, you've not called us to stop. You've called us to continue moving forward, and that means change. Give us the clarity and the courage to walk it out this week. And we pray all this in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. I love you guys. Do not miss that opportunity in the prayer room. If you need to pray with somebody, go see them. Go talk to them. They would love to spend some time with you. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.